some. Yeah, we gathered here in the 919 where we take our time. Sit back, relax as they spit their facts. Trust me, you be coming back. Got my man Max Weezy keeping everything on track. For sports to pop culture, matter where you at. iPhone to Android, you can play it back. DJ Relevant on the ones and twos can bring a smile to your day. If you feeling blue, true, we in the 919. What you gonna do? Let's rock, we at the barbershop. Let's rock, we at the barbershop. Let's rock, we at the barbershop. 919 at the barbershop. Let's rock, we at the barbershop. Number nine at the barbershop. Let's rock me at the barbershop. Let's rock me at the barbershop. Stay tuned. All right, all right, all right. This is Max Weezy. Live from the 919 where everything is fine. This is the Barbershop Podcast. Recorded live on Locker Room. I am joined by Mark Gunnels, a sports journalist from, uh, you're from, from KC, right? Kansas City? Yes, sir. Yeah, from, from KC. I don't know the area code. I would shout out the area code. I don't know it. A one six, man. A one six. Shout out to here we go. We got Mark Gunnels from the eight one six sports journals. Um, you're you're. Um, so tell me what you do. You're a, a producer at uh, Fox Sports One. Um, do you still work on undisputed, disputed, or what exactly do you do there? Yeah, I'm still working on undisputed. So basically, I'm the guy behind the scenes that cuts the highlights that you see, the B roll, make the edits and things like that. I also give like suggestions for topics for the for the show in the morning i'll send out like a mass email and skip bayless and shannon are on it so you know i kind of just do those things behind the scenes man to really help the show go so what has it been like i and i'm so you know excited to have you here i you know i've had um darnell on from uh from you know um speak for yourself on here before and i that's my guy (laughs) yeah man darnell's awesome man i i just am so i watch you know, FS1 all day. And I, I think, like, you know, from top to bottom, the lineup is just, like, so strong right now. I mean, you got, obviously, uh, you know, Skip and Shannon on Undisputed. You got, um, I think, First Things First is is a, is a fun show. Um, you know, I love I love The Herd. I love, you know, Speak for Yourself. It's, it's really strong right now. You got a lot of, um, you know, nuanced, different personalities. But, you know, talking about um, Undisputed, um, I don't know how long you've been there, but like, what is it like to to like kind of hear or or work on a show every day where it's like you know Shannon, one of the best of the best, not only like on FS1, but you know in the culture in general. Like Shannon, not only brings that those you know great sports takes, and obviously he he was a great player, a Hall of Famer, but you know somebody that is one of the biggest names in the culture right now, like. And obviously, Skip, the veteran that he is in, in sports world as well. Like, what's it been like to work with those guys? Yeah, before I answer that question, I do want to say, actually, I started off working on Speak for Yourself when I moved to L.A. and worked on Fox. That was the first show I worked on. I worked on that show for the first two years. I've been out here three years. In the past year, I've been working on Undisputed. So, yeah, that's how me and Darnell became really close because we were working together on Speak for Yourself. But to answer your question... Uh, it's great, man. Uh, obviously, right now it's not the same because normally every morning I'll go up to the studio and I'll be part of the early morning production meeting. So I'll be in the same room as Skip and Shannon as we're going over the topics for the show that day. So just to actually get that interaction with them is just really dope because they're really cool people. You know, it's crazy because they're not how you, you would think on camera because, you know, Shannon on camera is very, you know, loud and passionate 
you know, off camera. He's more chill, reserved, you know, like he's he's really chill. Good guy. And then Skip, the same way. Like Skip's probably the nicest guy you would ever meet, man. He'll open the door for you. But if you watch him on TV, you would think like, you know, people have perceptions about him. They'll say whatever they want to say. But they're both really great, man. And Shannon, man, it's really dope because, you know, you just learn a lot when he talks about certain topics like racial injustice and things like that. It just really uh, brings everything home and really makes you realize what's important. And he just brings a different perspective to the show that I think is needed, you know, because it's a, it's a good balance, you know, because when he talks about stuff like that, you could tell Skip really kind of leans on him to kind of drive that conversation because Skip, you know, he's he's he respects, you know, Shannon as a, as a black man, obviously. So he had different experiences growing up. So it's definitely like a teaching moment. And you could tell that they both vibe off each other really well during those type of situations. So I think it's really a good balance between the two. And they're both awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, just to watch that that show grow, I think I, I was still sort of, I can still sort of remember when the, S, the FS1 lineup sort of like came on, like when Colin came in, obviously uh, Skip Shannon, you know, it was Whitlock and Coward up top, at the time will speak for yourself, like, to watch the growth and it's just like so like i said like so many great so much great content on right now you know like like we mentioned before uh what is it so from a production standpoint i've always wanted to to ask this as well because i mean like me personally like you know you know respect to you guys i i completely understand the reasoning behind this but the undisputed y'all talk about the cowboys more than any other show i think on air and so, and I and I get it. Like Skip's a big, you know, Cowboys guy. So, like, what is like, what is the reason behind it? Is it because like that's where the ratings are? Is it because Skip's a fan? Is it like like do you do you ever get tired of talking about the Cowboys? <laughs> <It's so much. laughs> uh, well, it's a mixture of everything you just said. That Skip's a big Cowboys fan. Uh, obviously, they're I guess you know they're quote unquote America's team still. So. Ratings are definitely a factor, I would imagine. Uh, You know, that's a little bit higher than my pay grade, to be honest with you. Those are the the real big guys up there that really uh, break down the numbers and stuff. So I don't have all that access. But just based on what I can tell, I think those are the main two reasons. And do I get tired of talking about the Cowboys? Hell yeah, I do, man. But, uh, you know, I get it, though. I get it. they're America's team. You know, people either love them or hate them, man. So there's no in-between with the Cowboys. So you bring in both sides. And obviously, it's a lot better when they're good. So they're more interesting. So this year, obviously, especially with no Dak, it's kind of like, oh, my God, we're talking about uh, Andy dalton led team. But, you know, people still love them, man. People still hate them. So, you know, <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah, I mean – they're they're uh, you know polarizing team. It, it's and it's funny that way too because even like really those elite teams that like obviously the Chiefs right now, um, you know the, the you know Pittsburgh you know the Patriots when they were great. I I feel like no matter what you know from Tony Romo to Dak, the Cowboys have always just been you know polarizing no matter what they do. It's, it's the same with the Lakers. Um, so that that's it's it, it's you live and you die by that I guess. <laughs> But uh, it's it's just so interesting to me. Like I said, I think I think uh, Undisputed covers the Cowboys like more than more than any anybody. But uh, I kind of want to get to 
let's talk about just sort of your journey because this this summer shined up and you know it continues you know throughout throughout this year but it, it's we've shined a bright light on how important it is you know to to put um to have diversity you know both in front of the camera but also behind the scenes and you you know you've been a black you're you know you're a sports journalist a black sports journalist you've been working behind the scenes you know for this long and you've, you've sort of seen the industry you know you were on a uh you know going back to speak for yourself and I'm, I'm glad you told me you used to be on there because i thought speak for yourself was was great because there were black voices, but, you know, the perspectives were so different and it was just a great testament to, you know, how there's so much diversity, even in the black community. So, uh, Mark, tell me how you, has there been any growth since, since the summer, since we've had these conversations about hiring more, um, you know, black people, you know, just in general, but especially in the world of sports, like what's kind of been your experience kind of promoting your career as a sports journalist? Um, I mean, my experience has been pretty unique just for the fact that, you know, I built some relationships a while ago. Like, the reason why I even got out here is because, actually, because of Jason Willock, uh, because, you know, he's from Kansas City. He used to have a radio show back in the day. I was, like, maybe 12, 13 years old. He had a big radio show in Kansas City. He used to write for the Kansas City Star newspaper. And I used to call him to his radio show, like, as a teenager. And I was a pretty popular caller on that network it was a 610 sports radio so actually i met him because i won a, a madden game i think it was like madden 04 is like some type of radio contest thing that i once i got to go to the studio and meet him and stuff like that i was like 13 14 years old so if, ever since then we had a relationship uh you know we just contact each other on social media throughout the years make sure everybody's good and then one day it was like three months after I graduated college in 2017. He just DM'd me out of nowhere on Twitter. It was like, I might have a position for you on my show. I was like, what? And I, at this time, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do post-graduation. I'm like, all right, I'm still at my parents' house now. Like, what's going on in my life? I'm back in Kansas City. Like, I don't want to be here for the rest of my life. So then that came up, and I did an over-the-phone interview, and they liked me, and I moved out to L.A. literally, like, two weeks later. Like, it was crazy. And I had a family out here, so I got somebody to stay with, so that was great. I didn't have to just be on my own because L.A. is definitely expensive. So that was that's how that started for me to get out here. And then ever since I've been here, as far as the diversity goes, I would say uh, it's getting better. But it was still got a long way to go because you look at a lot of the networks, most of the black faces you see, especially the black men, they're former athletes. So it's like everybody can't be a professional athlete. And then, yeah, you're, of course, you're going to get on TV if you're a perform- professional athlete and you have, you know, a good voice and, you know, presentable. But I feel like it needs to be more opportunity for just us regular journalists that didn't play pro sports to get more of a chance. So hopefully that gets better as time goes on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's that's one thing. Like people can say what they want, you know, say what they want about Jason Willock. But I, I like as a viewer, I paid attention to that. Like the fact that you know, especially before the pandemic, you know, with Darnell's segment, with um, some of the other people that were working on that show, like you were seeing speak for yourself. You were seeing like young black journalists all speaking for yourself, getting like opportunities, you know, so to speak, and. And, you know, that's if you're a host of this show, obviously, you know, Jason, 
had something to do with that. So I, I think I'll always appreciate that because you just don't see that a lot. And that really, you know, was impressed. I, I was impressed by that. Like I said, as a viewer, but, um, you know, talking about, we can talk about definitely some sports now, but, um, I, I, obviously, you know, we t- established your Kansas city guy, the chiefs are, you know, doing really, really well this year. They, it, it seems like though, especially after this kind of like last game, it seems like the theme of the year has been, there's no, you know, exceptional team. There's no great teams. Like Kansas city is obviously, you know, people probably would say they're the best team in the, in the NFL, but even they have looked kind of penetrable, you know, at times this season. So, um, you know, in, in your mind, like what are, what do you think you attribute that to for the chiefs specifically, but you know, in the NFL as well, so many teams kind of being like really good, you know, some teams good, but not. Um, well, I disagree with you with that. I, I think the chiefs are that one team that, that seems to be the great team in football. And yeah, I know they've had a lot of close games, but a, a lot of those games that were considered close, if you really watch the games, it wasn't really close. I mean, the final score ended up being that way, but you never felt the Chiefs were going to lose. Like yesterday, they're up 30 to 10. Should have went on to blow them out. They're in the red zone. Mahomes throws a pick in the end zone. That could have been 37 to 10. Throws a pick, and then they end up winning, what, 30 to 24. Just a couple plays like that has kind of been the theme where they were a play away from really opening up the door. But then something bad happens, a penalty, a touchdown gets taken back, and then a team comes back late and makes it closer than what it should have been. So, yeah, you would like to see them blow out teams more, and it is frustrating as a Kansas City supporter. But at the same time, I think the Chiefs' best is just a lot better than everybody else's best. Uh, but as far as the rest of the league, I mean, the NFL is a lot of parity, man. I mean, it's always kind of been that way. So I, I think it's really nothing different than what we're used to seeing. Like, even during the years that the Patriots won the Super Bowl, I mean, look at all the Super Bowl wins. They're all one-possession games. So it's not like the Patriots are just blowing teams out. So, I mean, I think it's just a test to how the NFL is set up with the salary cap and the hard cap. And, you know, it's not the NBA where you can just build a super team. I know the Chiefs are probably maybe the closest thing to that, but – they got fortunate by drafting well, and guys just wanted to stay there and got some good deals. I mean, they locked up Tyreek Hill, which is a bargain deal. If you look at that deal, I mean, it's a bargain. They just extended Travis Kelsey, and he probably deserves, deserves a lot more. And then even Mahomes. I mean, I know you look at that big number, you're like, oh, my God, they broke the bank for him. But if you actually break down that contract, we're going to look at that contract five years from now and be like, he actually probably should have gotten more money. So it's just a lot of... Uh, good fortune in having a good collection of guys for the Chiefs that makes them potentially the next uh, dynasty. Yeah, I think the Chiefs, so the thing is, I think, like, with the Chiefs, they're obviously, you know, head and shoulders, like, the you know, the team itself, like, it, it, the key positions, you know, obviously coach, quarterback, you know, offensive weapons, they're they're better than everybody else. They're going to they're gonna beat everybody else. They, they looked, you know, they, 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 they just look like they're playing – you know, a different sport almost. I think that though the chiefs, whether it's sort of like they know they can beat people. So they're not, they don't come out as fast. Like, I feel like there's a difference between how the chiefs look this year and how the Ravens look last year. Like the Ravens just look like, 
they they just you know blew through everybody and the chiefs sort of look like yeah they're better but you know they're not they're again you know they're not starting fast or they're just keeping close like you know the only you know and i've watched like some of the you know national games i watched the chiefs buccaneers I, i'm a panthers fan so i obviously was watching the game when the when, when the panthers played the chiefs you know considering how the Panthers are doing this year, probably closer than it should should have been, came down to, you know, a really long kick that was missed. So I, I do feel like you're absolutely hit the nail on the head, though, about the parity in the NFL. And I think this year, maybe without an offseason, um, I, I think that everyone is – in the offseason, also the insurity, games being moved around, I think everyone's just sort of, like, knocked off of their – Offer their schedule, offer their their routines, and I think that has effects on professional athletes. When you change something, even even though it may seem minor to us fans, I think it, it, it has affected you know the the quality of the league in, in terms of there being just you know standout teams. I think everyone sort of you know aside from like a couple teams, you know obviously the Chiefs being one of them, you know the, everyone sort of seems to be on the same sort of like level. There's nobody really like you know like flashing, standing out in a, in a huge way. Oh, yeah, that's a great point uh, because now you're balancing out the, the playing field. It's leveling out with guys, like you said, not having their normal routines, uh, not having a real full training camp, no preseason, which I think is really huge for a lot of guys just to get them reps in in games that don't matter as far as wins and losses go. So those first few games, I mean, that could be the difference in – a position of seeding or making the playoffs because those were essentially their preseason games, right? So, uh, yeah, you make a great point by saying that. So, yeah, I think I would add that as well. It's, it's why it's a lot more, probably even more parity this year than normal years, and there's not really a true standout team outside the Chiefs, in my opinion. So tell me about, and, and like, you, I, the Chiefs obviously have been, been great, you know, the past few years, but, you know, before that, I, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when, you know, they were bad for like, you know, 10, 15 years. And tell me like how this the kind of dynasty was built. I obviously Patrick Mahomes was, you know, a huge part of that. Obviously Andy Reid's a huge part of that, but I guess for us fans, you know, like me right now with the Panthers and maybe some other people listening that, you know, are fans of, of bad teams, uh, you know, shed some light on, sort of some of the things that ha- happened with the organization that the casual fan probably doesn't know about how the Chiefs have, you know, kind of built what they built now. Yeah, man. Um, obviously, I mean, you, you named the two biggest parts, Mahomes and Andy Reid. But uh, look at the front office as well. Uh, Brent Veach, um, he came from Green Bay, I believe. And he's actually a huge reason on why. They even wanted to draft Mahomes. He was telling Andy Reid about him, like, hey, this kid from Texas Tech, I really, really like him. And he convinced them uh, to agree to trade up to take him because people were shocked they took him over uh, Deshaun Watson. So that obviously was huge. But even before that, during the Ali Smith era, the Chiefs were always a playoff team, winning the AFC West. But you just knew they were never good to actually make the Super Bowl and win it because the ceiling was only just so high with a quarterback like Alex Smith. And obviously, it's a great story right now. But, you know, he just he was the game manager. Let's just be honest. So, but besides the quarterback position, I would say just really just nailing those, those late-round picks, man. Like, 
you know, Tyreek Hill was like a fourth or fifth round pick. <laughs> Travis Kelsey, nobody was talking about him uh, out of college. Like, these weren't highly touted names. Um, getting to Tyron Matthew, like, that's huge. Like, that's basically a quarterback on your defense, a guy that has some troubles in the past, uh, has some injury problems. So you get him on a great bargain deal. Look up his contract. I ask your followers, look up his contract right now. You'll be like, wow. He's only getting that. <laughs> so he's going to have a big payday coming up in a year or so when his contract is up. Yeah, and then look at LeJarius Sneed. You might, your followers might not know him, but he's the rookie corner for the Chiefs right now. He's, by pro football focus standards, he's the best rookie corner in the league this year. And you probably don't even know who he is. So I just think really just nailing those late-round picks because then when you get those rookies that are producing early, it gives you more leeway to spend money in free agency because you still got these guys on these cheap rookie deals. So you're able to stack up your roster. And then obviously you got the quarterback now. So it's just a perfect, perfect blend of everything. Yeah. I mean, I think fans kind of sometimes underestimate like the importance of hitting, you know, draft picks. I think, you know, getting those, not only what you, what you do in the first round, but what you do throughout, throughout the draft is, is just so critical um, and, and building a team. We even saw with Seattle before that, you know, where they got Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas. Those were not first-round picks. Those were late-round picks. I think, you know, you hit on that, and that's huge. Um, and also something that I think that, like, you is important, too, is that uh, the Chiefs did and that we all kind of recognize is that, you know, Alex Smith was winning games. And I think a lot of fan bases, I call them low-self-esteem fan bases. I think, I think that's, like, um, the same turn. I probably got that from Colin Coward or something. But, um I think there's fan bases that sometimes, like, when they, when the team doesn't win a lot, I think we they used to, like, quarterbacks um, that can do a lot of good things well and, you know, will get you to the playoffs. And it happens in, you know, all sports, to so the NBA, same thing. Uh, they'll be like, you know, oh, like, this guy's he gets us to the playoffs, he's solid, whatever, whatever. Um, but I think you recognize that, yeah, Alex Smith was taking 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 the Chiefs to the playoffs, but you know, Patrick Mahomes, although he was, you know, pretty much a young guy, you didn't know he would be this great. I think that for the Chiefs to recognize they had something special and to and to throw him out there was was huge. And a lot and a lot of teams, uh, you know, play it safe and, and don't do that. And a lot of you know fan bases don't understand how key that was. Uh, I'm not sure about you know what you thought of, but I'm not sure about you know the Kansas City fan base. But do, were there people that wanted to hang on to Alex Smith or or was the fan base sort of on board with putting Mahomes out there, you know, before we before they knew who you were about about him? But like as you know, as you had him, you know, at drafting him obviously in the first round to go by Alex Smith. At that time, was the fan base on board with that decision? Uh, at the time, it was actually more split than you would think. It was actually pretty fifty fifty. I would say maybe if I had to pick a side, I think it was slightly more towards moving forward with Mahomes, probably like fifty five forty five. But it was a really uh, strong Alex Smith contingent out there, but I was I was on the Mahomes side. Uh, I even have old tweets and receipts and stuff during that time period. Even during gotta get those receipts, bro. yeah, even, yeah, yeah. I was receipts. on the Mahomes. <laughs> after I saw the first preseason game of his rookie year, I was so I'm like, because what well, the thing is, people are like, it's just a preseason game. It's just one half. How can you just tell? Sometimes you don't need to see things too long to realize that guy just has it. Like, he was making throws and running around doing stuff that 
Alex Smith just isn't capable of doing. Now, it was just a matter of, okay, will he not turn the ball over a lot? Because that's one thing Alex Smith prided himself on, was not turning the ball over and moving the chains. That was the only slight concern at the time was, okay, maybe he might be a little too wild. They're comparing him to Brett Favre. We know Brett Favre leads the NFL in career interceptions. But, hey, if you're going to compare it to Brett Favre, still, I'll still take it. So, at the time, I was like, okay, the Chiefs were 10-6, and 11-5 team with Alex Smith. Want to win the AFC West. Maybe win a playoff game, but that's about it. We capped out, man. So, I was totally on board. But the fan base was split, though, because at the time, people were saying, you know, a lot of Chiefs fans kind of got into this mindset of being uh, complacent and just being okay with being I can't even say average because we were better than average, but you know what I'm trying to say. Not a true Super Bowl contender, but we were still a playoff team. So they were like, we're still making the playoffs. We're still winning the AFC West. Why would we get rid of Alex Smith for some rookie quarterback that hasn't proven anything? But I was on the side of the people that were agreeing with me was we capped out. Why not use this chance with this roster? We still have Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and try to max it out. Because at this point, we're just going to be a playoff team and lose in the first round. I mean, Mahomes could be a bust. But at least we can try to make the next level because we're not going to reach the next level with Alex Smith, the quarterback. So I was definitely on that side. And I think it's safe to say that uh, we've been proven right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you sometimes I, I say it all the time, too. Special is very obvious. Like, it's very obvious, you know, you watch American Idol, it's very obvious who's going to be going, who's going to go far and who's going to be out. Like <laughs> after the first couple of episodes, like it, it's not, if you have to question it, if you have to be like, well, you know, then this is not, the, it's not the right one. And, you know, Alex Smith was a, a, a starting quarterback in the NFL. Absolutely. But if you have higher aspirations, if you have, you know, players on your team that can help you get to the next level, then, you know, the, especially at quarterback, if you have a chance to possibly upgrade, then I think you you do it. And I think, like like you said, some fan bases do get very complacent. I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going through it now, <laughs> both as a Panthers and Hornets fan. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, I, I don't want to harp too, too much on that. But you know, I will I will say that I, I do think that the Chiefs. You know, you mentioned a lot of great you know things that they did, but I think that being able to move on from from Smith into you know, again, he could have been a bust, but taking that shot on Mahomes was was huge for you guys. And you know, after so many years of not being good, you know, I'm happy that you know that that fan base is is finally kind of reaping some of those rewards. So that's what's up. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of want to. Yeah, <laughs> long overdue, man. Long it's been a lot of hard years. I think uh, Kansas City deserves this, man. Yeah, man. That's I'll, I'll quickly say too. That's how I feel about Charlotte, man. A lot of people were like. Oh yeah, you know the, the, we should get we should move back in the draft and you know all this stuff and I'm like man like like you you're at the number three spot you know it looks like Lamelo's gonna fall to the three just if you know if you're a Hornets fan like why do you not want Lamelo like you know you know he's, he seems like a uh, you know special player you know from a you know passing standpoint I know he's got a lot to work on but you know we're we're talking about a guy that you know from a popularity standpoint is going to bring attention to the the franchise and you know could be a great player like why not like why are we you know talking about moving back just because we have you know two decent point guards like 
you know, sometimes you just have to take your shots and, you know, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't. But I'd rather see somebody, you know, take the risk and fail than to, to not take it at all because of because you're happy with what you have, you know, quote unquote. But oh, I'm yeah, on board absolutely. with you there. I'm on board with you there. Let's talk about um, – so just to, to, to wrap a bow on the NFL conversation, though, uh, you know, in your mind, you know, well, you know the Chiefs are in there, but who else would you put, like, in your Super, Super Bowl contenders, you know, bubble? Like, who like who would you say is, is also have, has a chance to, to contend for a, a title? In the whole league or just the AFC? Yeah, in the league. In the league? Well, honestly – I think. Or who, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Biggest threat to the Chiefs in the league because we might as well just <laughs> just just, okay. just say it like that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I don't think no team is coming from the AFC that can threat the Chiefs. To be honest with you, and I'm just being honest. Like this is not me being biased. I'm telling you, I've been the most realistic Chiefs fan my whole life. I first picked the Chiefs in the Super Bowl for the first time in my life last year, and I was right. So. I just don't see any team in the AFC competing with the Chiefs. Uh, as far as the NFC goes, I would say the Saints and the Packers. I think that's it. I think those are the only three teams, the Chiefs, Saints, and Packers, that I can see win the Super Bowl. So, obviously, I think it's going to be the Saints and Packers in the NFC Championship game. But I will say this. I'll give you a dark horse team, though. How about that? I'll give you a dark horse team in the NFC that I really like now, and I think they could potentially get in there, depending on – where the game's at, and just anything can happen, right? One game setting. The L.A. Rams. The Rams are playing sneakily good football, man. They're well coached. People forget. This team was just in the Super Bowl two years ago. I know last year didn't go their way, but, hey, Super Bowl hangover maybe. I don't know. This year, I think they're back to where they were. They're even better defensively now. Obviously, you got Jalen Ramsey, still got Aaron Donald. Golf is older, more mature. And Sean McVay is one of the best play callers in the league. He makes life so easy for Golf with that play-action rollout. Uh, he doesn't stay in, stationary in, in the pocket. They have a decent running game now after getting rid of Todd Gurley. The Rams are my dark horse team, but I'm still going to say the Saints, Packers, and Chiefs are in that first tier, but with the Rams slightly outside of Man, we got robbed of that Super Bowl, of that, not Super Bowl rematch, but the rematch uh, like two years ago, that great game that y'all played in, um, I think it was in L.A. because it, it was supposed to I be in Mexico that, City. I was at that game. Yeah, it was supposed to be in Mexico. Yeah. I moved to L, um, L.A. and it, got, it ended up being like like crazy score. I forgot what the score was. But, I think it was 54 to 51. Yeah, great game. <laughs> and we, everyone was like, okay, we want the rematch in the Super Bowl. Got robbed of it, but I think that the Rams are definitely a, a good, a good dark horse. I, I really like that. And Justin in the comments, and I, I sort of, I was going to ask this too. Um, Buffalo, I, I know there's Josh Allen. I'm, I'm, I think the jury's out on Josh Allen. I think he's, you know, gotten a lot better. Um, I think he's he's definitely you know a guy that can push the ball down the field. He's he's steady. He's you know cutting down on the mistakes, but. How do you feel about Buffalo? I feel like Buffalo could definitely like their their style of play matches up well with Kansas City. To be honest, I like Buffalo. I'm a big Josh Allen supporter. I was even supporting him last year when he was struggling. I just saw the talent. I mean, I just go based on the eye test. He's a big arm. Obviously, his accuracy wasn't that well, but he didn't have any legit weapons. And you see what happens now. They gave him Stephon Diggs. Now he's completing seventy percent of his passes. 
So I like them a lot. Uh, the defense isn't that great. It's getting better now. It's not as good as it was last year, though, but it's getting better. Uh, the Chiefs played them earlier this year. Obviously, I know they're, that was a while, while ago, about six weeks ago, about-ish. But the Chiefs did run for like 200 yards on them that game. The Chiefs aren't known for running the football. But the Bills do have a problem run, stopping the run. So I just, I just, it's just hard for me to imagine. I mean, it just really comes down to this. Here's what it is, man. The Chiefs are going to have the bye. So they only got to win two games at Arrowhead to go to the Super Bowl, right? Uh, it's just hard for me to imagine the way the AFC has been looking this year. There's not a, a true number two team. Like, every week it changes. Last week, it was uh, two weeks ago, it was Pittsburgh. Now they lost to Washington and Buffalo. Now it's Buffalo. At one point, it was Tennessee when they were hot. Now they just got, they just lost what, a couple weeks ago. To the Colts or whoever they lost, I can't remember. They lost to somebody bad. Oh, it was the Browns. Yeah, then it was the Browns. Yeah, the Browns are decent. Yeah, <laughs> then it was the Browns. And what if the Browns lose tonight? Then it's gonna be Baltimore. Like, <laughs> it's always a new team every week. So I just can't take that seriously. And then you're telling me you're gonna go into Arrowhead and win? I just don't see it. Now these teams are good. Don't get me wrong, but if you're talking about a Super Bowl contender, you have to be a team that I think is capable of actually winning. In Arrowhead, not losing by a touchdown, not losing by a field goal, getting close, actually winning the game in Arrowhead. And I just can't see an AFC team doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue there. I think it, there's like AFC teams sort of like each have are each really, really talented. But I think like we're talking about just competing with um, the Chiefs from a level of like okay like obviously you know the quarterback advantage is, is almost always going to be Chiefs um, you know I think it's just tough to call at, at this point from an AFC standpoint NFC you could probably make an argument for you know a lot more teams I think yeah um, like, if the, like, if the, yeah, like yeah. if the Packers are in the center in the AFC I wouldn't be saying this I, I think they yeah. can legitimately beat the Chiefs no matter where they play at it's just the fact that they're not in the AFC so I think the Chiefs are at least going to be in the Super Bowl, then at that point, we can have a real conversation of a team that could probably beat the Chiefs. But as far as the AFC, I just don't see it. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Um, I, I think, speaking of don't sleep on the Browns, Justin, I, I want to say this, man. I think I was saying this morning, I, I, I could see a scenario where the Browns win that division because the Steelers have two losses now. They have to win the rest of their games, and they play the Browns on Week 17 in Cleveland. So I think if the Browns were to, to – win every game up until then and, and win that game, they'd probably have the tiebreaker to win the AFC North. So don't that sleep on the Browns. That would be crazy if it comes down. I hope it at least Yo. comes down to that game. I would love to see that. That'd be huge because I, I think – because I don't know if they, they ever flex games in Week 17, but if they do, that would be the one to flex for sure. Yeah, um, even though I, I do got Cleveland actually losing tonight to Baltimore. But if they do win this game, then it probably would come down yeah. to that Week 17 game because Pittsburgh's going to lose another game. They're probably going to lose to – uh, the play Colts, I think. I think the Colts are going to beat them. So, yeah, I think the Colts will probably beat them too. But yeah, that we'll we'll definitely see how that goes. But I want I want to push over to um to uh, NBA too because I know you you know you're a big basketball uh, excuse me a big basketball fan. Uh, actually, I actually have a question for you. So, are you a Kansas fan? Yeah, you, yeah, Rock, yeah, Rock yeah. Shot. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So let me ask you this. Because this is sort of a thing, we're, a trend we're seeing. A lot of blue bloods are actually kind of down this year. 
And, you know, some of the, some of the more obscure schools are, have sort of been winning championships as of late and, and kind of doing a little bit better, you know, except for, you know, Gonzaga, obviously they're, they're great. They're always in the conversation, you know, they're number one, um, you know, still this year. But I, I do want to ask you this, though. It seems like, you know, Kansas, K- Kentucky, uh, Duke, UNC, it seems like there's, you know, obviously for a while they were slow to embrace the one and done, and then they did embrace it, and then it worked out for a while, you know, with, with some of these schools winning championships. Obviously, Kentucky went off off of that model and, and everything like that. But it, it sort of seems now that uh, the the college basketball sort of changing a little bit to where uh, we're seeing the schools still want to compete for championships and still have – have you know upperclassmen players, but now kind of mixing that with wanting to play some of these you know one and duns, um, you know it's sort of come back to to bite some of these schools after you know in these few years, and we're kind of seeing a lot of these teams uh, this year falling off. I'm not sure what exactly Kansas's record is at this point, but it, it sort of seems like um, you know there there's just not as there's not as much dominance from the from the blue bloods. Um, you know, in, in the last couple seasons in college basketball than there has been obviously in the uh, past. So uh, do you, do you see that trend happening? Do you, like, is that happening with Kansas? Like, what do you think uh, is kind of going on there? Yeah, man, it's funny you brought this up. Cause I was actually talking about this uh, the other day. One of my homies like, yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh, KU actually is actually doing really good right now. They're six and one, number five in the country, but yeah, you got North Carolina, down at 22 right now. Duke is 21. Kentucky's not even ranked anymore. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a down year, I would say. Uh, I don't think there's been a, a trend as far as these teams being bad lately. I think this year is really a standout one. But as far as the recruiting goes, I think you now you're starting to see a lot of these five-star prospects. They're starting to figure out that no matter where they go, they're still going to be a number five, number one pick or whatever. Like, I mean, you had guys like Mar- Markel Fultz going to Washington. Ben Simmons went to LSU. You know, uh, RJ Hamp- was Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> RJ Hampton went overseas. LaMelo Ball yeah. overseas. So a lot of those blue-collar chippers, five-star guys, they don't have to go to Kentucky or Kansas or Duke anymore. So I think that's a big part of it. And, oh, yeah, Trey Young went to Oklahoma, stayed home yeah. with Oklahoma. Kate Cunningham. KU really wanted yeah. him, too. <laughs> yeah, Kate, Kate coming him. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to be number one next year. He, he's special. He's special. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just now, you know, that trend is starting because, you know, one guy does it. It's like a copycat world, man. One guy does it, still goes number one. His team didn't even make the tournament, and he still goes number one. Like, Ben Simmons didn't make the tournament LSU, number one pick still. Markel Fultz didn't make the tournament, number one pick still. So they're like, oh, well, we don't have to go to Kansas anymore. We don't have to go to Kentucky. We just we can go to a team where it's our team. We can shoot as much as we want, get as many benefits as we want, <laughs> and still go number one in the draft, man. So I actually think it's cool because it makes the recruiting more competitive. It's not the same thing over and over again because for a while it was really Calipari, and then at the point even Coach K started to take over with the number with the number one recruiting classes. So now I think now you're starting to see how these guys really have to adjust and maybe have get more four year guys or three year guys, 
are, you know, guys that aren't, you know, the five-star number one type talents, like, you know, get your four stars, but develop them and make them a lottery pick. You know what I'm saying? Like, or make them just a good player. Like, look at Devontae Graham from KU. He was like a three-star recruit, man, out of North, North Carolina, out of your neck of the woods, actually. And he's balling. He should have won most improved player of the year last year. That was a joke. He wasn't even nominated. And I'll be honest with you, as a KU fan, I did not expect him to, to play like this in the NBA. I thought he may make a roster, but I don't expect him to be dropping 18, 20 points a game. Because at KU, I mean, he obviously could shoot the three ball, but not a great athlete, not great height. The measurables weren't really there. Uh, I just didn't see it, you know, but hey, he proved me wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, and you're still saying like, you know, blue blood players kind of get drafted, you know, a little bit, you know, higher in some years. This year is obviously a lot different because, you know, North Cole Anthony was drafted 15th from North Carolina, Kentucky. I don't think Duke had a first round player drafted, you know, this year in, in Kentucky. You know, Tyrese Maxey went like 21 or something like that. So, I think this year is a little bit different, but I think in other years, I think Blue Bucks can still produce lottery talent. Um, but I think there's a, that's a good point. I mean, to your to your point, I think it's I think the we're we're going to go back to more Blue Bloods going back to focusing on winning championships, focusing on developing players and getting their guys, you know, drafted high and, and and you know not really being concerned with getting the most you know one and done type players because it does seem like now there there's so many routes now, especially with the G League. Um, kind of doing what they're doing now. So I think the, the one-and-done thing being the uh, path to winning championships in college, college basketball may be done. Uh, but I just want to get your quick thoughts on that. And uh, moving on from, from college to professional basketball, though, uh, I know you're, you're a big NBA guy. Uh, tell me kind of what you, what you make of, uh, and, and maybe even maybe some perspective too, because you, you know you guys talk about it on Undisputed as well, and you know you're you're obviously used to hearing um, you know Shannon and Skip talk about it by now as well. But uh, what, like your what's your pulse on the whole situation with Kyrie? I like to call him Kanye Irving, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but nah, nah, Ky, Kyrie right now like what's like his, his sort of. Uh, like mentality and we know that, that Kevin has been prickly as well with, with the media and stuff like that. Like, do you think that their personalities are going to be able to work together in, in the, in the hopes of winning or getting to a finals, but you know, ultimately, obviously they want to win a championship. Like, do you think it'll work long-term for them? Uh, long-term? No, definitely not. Um, short-term. Yeah. I think it'll work. I mean, they're friends, you know, so that obviously helps knowing that, you know that guy personally. Um, you guys talk all the time off the court, so that obviously helps. But at the same time, people were saying the same thing about Russell Westbrook and James Harden because they're great friends. They both grew up in L.A. together, and obviously now we know that they're not teammates anymore, and now Harden doesn't want to play in Houston anymore, so that only lasted one year. But I think this one will be different, just the fact because – Kevin Durant's coming off of the injury. Kyrie Irving as well. So they have a lot to prove. And they're in the East. So I think that their path to at least making the finals is a lot more clear. You don't have to go through the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets to make it happen. But as far as Kyrie is concerned, 
I'm really um, how do I say this? I'm I'm a little concerned with him right now because it seems like I don't know. It's just weird the way he talks and the way he presents himself nowadays. It just doesn't seem like basketball is the main focus anymore. And I've had this theory for about a year or so now with my friends in the group chat. I think Kyrie's going to be the next amazing athlete to retire very early. Like, I would not be shocked that he retires within the next two to three years when his contract. Dude, goes. I had the same thought. The yeah. same thought yesterday. Yeah, I was like, like, yo, I would not be surprised no if Kyrie was like. He's not playing past 35 years old. I'll be shocked. No. Yeah. I, and I got to look up how old he is right now, but uh, it's 10 years. I, I would not be surprised if he like hung it up early. Wow, he's like 20, he's going 28. I didn't, he, I didn't yeah. realize he was even that young. He might retire by 31, 32. 30. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's crazy. I had that same thought yesterday. I'm like, man, Kyrie seems like a cat, like, you know, championship or not, you know, next year, the year after, you know, I I, could, I, I would not be shocked if I open up Twitter one day and Kyrie, yeah. you know, they get that woes bomb, that, that shams bomb that yeah. Kyrie retired, man. I would not be surprised, man. That's that's crazy you brought that up. I'm, I agree with you, man. Yeah, man. I agree just, with you. I, he, he's just. I feel like he has bigger things that he's he's worried about. Which I mean, it's not it's not a bad thing. I mean, life is more than just basketball. But you know, you would hate to see a talent like that retire at thirty years old. I, I think too, man. I think we're, we're probably underestimating this with with a few players, but man. Uh, I think Kobe's death probably also we. I mean, we'll never know because I don't. I, we obviously don't know the personal relationship between Kyrie and, and Kobe. I know they were close. You know, I wasn't there, so I have no clue. But you know, we we don't know how much you know that affects has affected him as well. Um, I, I think too, and, and that's something I haven't thought about. I haven't been too hard on Kyrie or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? But I, I think you know Kobe's death was was tough on a lot of people. But I know him and him and. Uh, Kobe and Kyrie were really close too, so we 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 don't know how that's sort of affected his mentality too, in terms of just like life, you know, outside of basketball. Sometimes death really puts things in, in perspective for us because we yeah, know we can go at point. any moment. That's a good point. Um, let's kind of talk about. I mean, obviously, you, pay, you kind of pay attention to college, so maybe you really be able to. The, the the NBA draft this year was kind of a huge. Uh, talking point, especially on on this app, and, and you know, we, it wasn't a great class. But in terms of looking forward to to the season, we've seen a little bit in the, in the preseason. But um, let me ask you two quick questions. First of all, uh, what rookies to you are you are you excited to watch or stand out to you? Possibly rookie of the year contenders this season. My contenders for rookie of the year is that what you're asking me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, uh, my pick for rookie of the year or is just actually- rookies. Okay. Or rookies that you're just excited to watch? Okay. Uh, I'm excited to watch. I mean, obviously, everybody's excited to watch LaMelo. Get that out of the way, of course. Um, James Wiseman is my the most excited I am for a rookie probably in the last decade. Just because he's a mystery. Like, we haven't seen him play basketball. He only played three games in Memphis against bottom feeder competition. So, pretty much all we have is his high school mixtape on ballerslife.com. So I'm really intrigued because the situation he's in, I mean, you couldn't ask to be in a better situation as a rookie. You're, you're playing for the Golden State Warriors, 
who I think have the potential to be a top four seed in the West. People are really underestimating how good this team could be. I think it's a disrespect to Steph Curry, first of all, because if Luka, LeBron, or anybody else was on this team, they would be talking about championship. I mean, I know Clay isn't there, but you still have Andrew Wiggins, who gets 20 a night. You got Kelly Oubre, gets you 17-18. Draymond Green, James Wiseman, they picked up Kent Bazemore off the bench. Like, they have some nice pieces there that can still compete if they play to their full potential. So I want to see how Wiseman and puts himself in there because he could be the guy that really takes him to another level depending on how he plays rookie year. So I'm really intrigued by that. And how about Patrick Williams, man? Nobody's talking about him. For Chicago, he kind of, I hate to say it, but he kind of looks like Kawhi Leonard a little bit, man. The way he moves, his game is very compact. He's strong. He has a nice mid-game. He has potential to be an all-defensive player. People were kind of down that pick because they weren't really educated on his potential from Florida State. But I think he could be a sneaky steal there early on in the draft for Chicago there. So I'm really intrigued to see him. And my pick for rookie of the year is actually Obi Toppin. I just think he's in a situation where in New York, he's going to be able to get a lot of shots, pretty much do anything he wants. Nobody's in his way to really step on his toes there. There's no veteran that's going to be like, I'm the man. So I think he can really take over there and bring some buzz to New York. Obviously, it's the Knicks brand, so they're going to get some hype just because they're the Knicks. So I think he's going to bring rookie of the year. He's going to have some highlight dunks. And, you know, he'll he'll pull off some some games where it's like, oh, wow, like he had a Mazda double-double against the Lakers on prime time. You know, games like that, I think, would really help his case for rookie of the year. So I'm excited for those guys, man. And I'm trying to give you a little sleeper, man. Who am I? How about Cole? Anthony? I mean, Patrick Williams. I'll say Cole Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like Cole Anthony. Yeah, I like Cole Anthony too, man, because people don't realize out of high school, he was like the number – top five recruit in high school you know coming out of North Carolina obviously had an injury there so he kind of struggled but I think he's in a good spot in Orlando so I'm kind of intrigued by that as well Cole, Cole Anthony it's not even that that he was not number five or top five recruit out of high school Cole Anthony was the MVP of every significant like high school game like I'm talking all like McDonald's all-american game like you know the Nike special, what all the, whatever those all those like yeah. games where they bring like the best high school players in the country. Like Cole Anthony was literally the MVP of all of those games. Played against you know on teams and against you know James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards, like with other kids in this draft class, and like was just a you know a special player coming out of high school and just had a you know down year in North Carolina. Part of that was you know, injury, but I, I think that I, I said this before the draft, I think people are gonna look back and be like, dang, he probably should have went higher. Um and so I don't know what his ceiling is. Some players just turn out to be better than better players in the NBA than in college. But I think I think Cole's definitely a good sleeper pick. I, I, I and Patrick Williams too, I'll go back to that. Patrick Williams, um so far I think some of the from some of the highlights and stuff, I'm I'm sort of seeing Bulls fans be like, Oh, okay, maybe this guy's pretty good. Um, yeah. as well. So and everyone was like, thought it was crazy he was drafted so high, but I think Patrick is, has been has looked good. I think Denny looked good in his first game as well. So, oh yeah, Denny, I'm um, excited for him too. Yeah, absolutely. So we got a, you know a lot of exciting things to watch in the NBA. Um, do you think are are you on board with the Lakers? You think the Lakers are are, are on a, at a 
Ooh, I cannot talk. Do you think the Lakers are automatically getting back to the finals? Uh, what's your take on who, who you could see in the finals this year? Yeah, I mean, the Lakers are a clear favorite, man. They got better. I mean, they got better. They got different, and they got better. Now you have the stretch five in Marc Gasol, maybe the best passing center outside of Jokic in the league right now. He can shoot the three ball, obviously high IQ. I mean, former defensive player of the year. I know he's not at that level as, like he used to be, but he still has the IQ to be in position, still seven feet tall. So you add, you got him and AD, two seven-footers that can shoot the basketball. So what does that mean? Open driving lanes for LeBron James. <laughs> and then you got shooters, you got KCP still. I mean, they're just, they're, they're stacked, man. They're, they're loaded. Obviously, you saw THT last night, dropped 35. He's only 20 years old. He might be in a rotation now. Kuzma, still a solid player. I mean, they're just loaded, man. They're loaded. Dennis Schroeder, uh, runner-up for sixth man of the year. Then you got the sixth man of the year, Montrez Harrell. I mean, they were given the Clippers first team hell the first two preseason games. I know it's just preseason, but two games in a row where LeBron, AD don't play, and they're giving the Clippers starters all they want. I mean, that has to mean something. So... I just think they're a clear favorite to win it again. So obviously they're going to come out the West and the East is kind of weird because I know people are going to say the Nets and I might lean that way, but I'm just not hundred percent sold on it right now. So I'm going to really dive into it. Actually this week I'm on my podcast, a uh, little plug here. I'm going to have my NBA preview actually this weekend. So I actually haven't decided who I have come out the East right now, to be honest with you, but I do think, it comes down to these three teams. I think it's the Nets, the Miami Heat, and I'm only going to say Philly if they pull off the James Harden trade, and I think they will. I think it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen before the season, though, but I do think Daryl Moore is going to find a way to team up James Harden with Embiid. It may cost Ben Simmons, but I would still do it because James Harden does everything Ben Simmons can do offensively as far as passing and bring the ball up and being a playmaker, but he can also shoot the basketball. And that will open up the floor for Embiid and everybody else. And I think that would put them over the top to be the favorites in the East if they get James Harden. I think the East probably comes, yeah, it does come down to Philly, uh, Philly, Milwaukee, and the Nets. I think um, I think Miami takes a little bit of, of a step back. Um, I think they just had a, had a, the perfect storm happen in the bubble. I think it's going to be hard to duplicate that, but um, I mean, great momentum, though. But, yeah, I'd say Lakers. I mean, I don't want to talk about the West right now. The Lakers probably will be it. But for the East, I, I think those those are good teams. But, Mark, man, I appreciate you jumping on here. Go ahead and plug your podcast. Tell everybody uh, where we can find your stuff, where we can follow you on socials, man. Yeah, you can find my podcast. Just type in Mark My Words Sports. Make sure you put the sports at the end. Mark My Words Sports. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. And make sure you follow my social media. Twitter, Instagram's both the same. Mark A. Gunnels on Twitter and Instagram. And for everybody in the locker room app, if you're still uh, anybody off stage, if you want to jump up real quick and uh, ask Mark a question, Mark um, has worked 
throughout Fox Sports One for about you said three years now. Both of them speak for yourself and undisputed. So if you guys have yeah. any questions about about that or about you know any any inside tips on on Skip and Shannon, you, you guys have a chance to do it. Uh, if not, man, Mark, I, I, again, I appreciate you you taking the time out to do this. I know you're crazy, Mark. Let me let me ask you this, Mark. What time do you wake up in the morning? <laughs> yeah, I wake up at four thirty, man. Four thirty. Four thirty. So four thirty Pacific, about seven thirty Eastern. Because I mean, I know that show starts early, and I mean, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, what time the 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 guys that first things first have to wake up. But undisputed oh, coming on at nine thirty Eastern, man. Four thirty, four thirty a.m. for you guys. I, I knew it had to be like some crazy time, but I, yeah, because the I, show I, starts I at six thirty for us. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do not envy your sleep schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, um, you get used to it though. It's not that bad when you get used to it. Man, uh, again, thanks so much for for chopping it up with me. I want to do this again uh, for sure. Oh yeah, let's for talk sure. more. Let's, let's do it after the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can talk about the Chiefs. We can talk about about NBA man, and, and again, man, I, I look forward to it. And um, yeah, we'll do it. All right, man. Appreciate you, man. All right, no problem. Everybody, thanks so much for listening again. This has been uh, Max Weezy with Mark Gunnels. Live from the 919, this is the Barbershop. Peace. Let's rock me at the Barbershop. Let's rock me at the Barbershop. Stay tuned. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode of The Barbershop. Keep showing us love. We appreciate it. Go ahead and rate and review this podcast and also share on social media and tell your friends about us. And if you're feeling generous, there's a link in the description to become a monthly subscriber. You can do it for as little as 99 cents and you can support this podcast and help us to grow and to glow. We appreciate all the love. We'll see you next time here at The Barbershop. Stay tuned.